Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. This is episode 36 of the Jesus Society Podcast, and we are continuing our conversation. Uh, Brendan Taylor and myself, the illustrious Brendan Taylor. The illustrious potentate. The esteemed. Yes. yes. The magnanimous. I say, <laughs> I say so. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Brendan, uh, as uh, as you may know, if you've been listening, uh, Bre- Brendan is a drama professor at um, Motlow State State Community, Community College. College. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I always mess that up. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, I just usually say around here we just say Motlow. Yeah, everybody we just say knows, Motlow. Everybody yeah. knows what you mean. So yeah. Um, so I have invited him into this um, to. Uh, uh, Lend a dramatician. Dramatician. What do you call your dramatist? Dramatist. Yeah. Dramatist. <laughs> dramatist. Although I like dramatician. Dramat- I might. I might have to whip that out somewhere. Dramat. A little bit of dramaticiousness. Oh. Uh, ooh. <laughs> that that feels spicy on the tongue. <laughs> dramaticiousness. Yeah. Well, if there's one thing I have a gift for, it's making up words. Is is a uh, wordedry. Word wordedry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a wordist. <laughs> there. There you go. A wordsmith. Wordsmith. Yes. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah. So we are talking about the uh, the mini series, the chosen. This is our uh, this is our fourth conversation about that, and we will have um, uh, a few more. Um, and today we're going to be talking about uh, episode three of the chosen, which is the episode titled "Jesus Loves the Little Children." Uh, so. Uh, as I as I frequently say, if you have not watched this series, um, this mini series, you really, really should. Uh, if you're a Christian, I think you will love it. Um, so the way you watch it is um, there is a. It's not available on Netflix or or Amazon or or any other place normally. You download an app, and you can download it on your phone or your um, tablet or whatever. And you can watch it uh, on the app. You can, as we do, we stream it through our Apple, from our our phone to through the Apple TV onto the big screen. Um, and you could probably do that with Roku or any other thing, whatever you've got. Um, but you can watch it for free. Um, they will ask you uh, at the beginning of every episode to to make a donation um, because it's it's all self funded, crowd funded kind of a thing. Um, and we watched about three episodes before paying for the whole series. Um, it was that good. And, um, it is that good. It is that good. It (laughs) It still is. It still is. Yes. And they are now, um, finishing, as I understand it, they're completing the filming of season two, Mm -hmm. which, um, we're very excited about. And they've even got some teaser. They have a robust YouTube channel with behind the scenes videos and all kinds of stuff. And, and it, it's, there's some wonderful, wonderful things uh, on that YouTube channel. But they've got some new stuff on the YouTube channel about season two, mm. and it looks very interesting. So we're excited about that. So uh, jumping into uh, episode three, um, it's it starts out like before the before the music and the, the little intro piece that they do. There's a there's a little scene. Just real brief, and it looks as though Jesus is kind of alone in the wilderness, struggling, um, and and you kind of get the impression that this is the this is the forty days in the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan, kind of stuff. You you sort of get that. It, there's no firm indication of that, but you but you get that that impression. Um, and then they switch to the and, you know it's just a brief little picture. And then they switch to the music and uh, and uh, jump in and then jump into the kind of first real scene. We're told that it takes place in the outskirts of Capernaum in AD 26. So all of this is still um, taking place before Jesus really starts his ministry officially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, I love this episode because it shows shows us a lot. Like I think we get a really neat view into Jesus' humanity. Um, you know, we we all know we're as, as Christians, Jesus is both divine and human, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, I've watched most of the other 
um, Jesus movies, you know, that have come out over the years. And it always seems to me as though Jesus' humanity gets sort of short, the short shrift and yeah. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they tend to, you know, play up his divinity, but Jesus almost seems, in, in most of these other Jesus movies, he almost seems kind of otherworldly in the sense that he's he's clearly someone who's above all the rest of us right yeah um i agree th- there's a there's a truth to that right i mean jesus is above all the rest of us but he's also very human he um you know the bible says he was tempted in all ways just as we are he is acquainted with our weaknesses right he knows our grief so there's a there's a scripture paints a very human picture of Jesus, but we never see that. I don't feel in most of the Jesus movies. I feel like this, the chosen does that better than any of them. And this episode, I think this is the first time in the series that you really that you really see that. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk um, more about that as we kind of move move through this. Um, so. Uh, but, but but I wanted to say that's like that's a big deal to me in this in this particular episode. Um, so so we start with the first scene, the first real scene starts with this little girl who we will learn her name is Abigail. Um, and her friends apparently sometimes call her Abby. Um, she she's just out sort of frolicking in the in the probably on the edge of town, the edge of Capernaum, out in the, out in the, you know, sparsely populated area where there's some, there's a field and there looks like there's an edge of a, of some woods, a clearing on the edge of some woods. And she's out just, you know, be bopping around and she comes upon this camp. There's a tent and there's some other stuff and it's Jesus camp. We find out he's not there at the time. So she snoops around a bit. She's curious, you know, like all kids are. Mm-hmm. She examines some of his tools, you know, that are laying there. And by the way, um, as someone who is uh, has always been a little bit um, kind of crafty and tool oriented, uh, you know, I've done I've done some woodworking. I've done I've done a lot of you know stuff like that. Uh, the The tools that they show are legit tools. Like they somebody paid attention to getting the details right. These are the, the, the tools he has are legit wood carving tools. Um, and I saw that and thought, Ooh, like somebody knew what they were doing. I'm always impressed when yeah. a, when a movie gets the technical details, right. Yeah. You know, even, even those like small, those tiny little se- things, seemingly insignificant details, but they're not insignificant. They are, there with a purpose. They well, they add credibility to the to the whole production. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I think yes. you know those little those little things. So somebody somebody involved with the chosen did some research on this and paid attention. And there's like they're legit. There's legit stuff from back then. There's so, a there's a word. Hold on. There's a word that comes to mind. Verisimilitude. Good gravy. Have you have you ever come across I've, that? I've heard that word. I can't. It's the, at the moment tell you what it means. But basically, life likeness how how close something is to uh, actual life. Okay. So so those tools being as specifically detailed as they are and as accurate as they are, they have a high verisimilitude. Yeah, that would be that would be what I'm hearing. I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It makes the whole thing a lot more believable. Yes. When you have stuff yes. like that. Yeah. So. Throughout this, throughout the, the this episode, we're going to see Jesus working with some stuff. You know, doing he's doing things. He's doing some, you know, the typical camping kind of things that you would mm-hmm. that you would see. He we see him working with his tools, building a few things. Um, I, one one of the things that's cool to me is Jesus makes a fire yeah, at one point, yeah. and he uses a, a, what's called a hand drill, which is a very primitive way of making fire. Um, and I've played around with some of the, the primitive ways of making fire, and they're very, very difficult. Yeah, like it's hard. It is hard to do, but he's, uh, you know, he's pulling it off, and he's using. He this is another verisimilitude thing. He's using that hand drill exactly in the way you'd use a hand drill. Oh, there you so, go. So there's like there's somebody on set 
that knows some of this stuff, which just it really kind of turns me on a little bit, you know, yeah. to see that sort of stuff. Um, so we'll we'll see him, you know, cutting up some food, cooking him supper, uh, cooking cooking himself some supper. Um, he he makes what looks like bread at, at one point, and and again, as someone who's spent spent a lot of time in my life doing craftsman kind of things, you know, I have built houses, I've done some woodworking, I do some leather work, and camping in the outdoors and and doing all that kind of stuff. This is all legit stuff, and it like I get really excited about seeing this sort of stuff because yeah. it's like yes, 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 yes. Anyway. So I want to take a few minutes and talk about, because I think sometimes we, so we all know Jesus was a carpenter, right? The, the Bible says he's, he's a carpenter. Mark 6, 3 um, says, refers to Jesus as a carpenter. Uh, we're told that his father, Joseph, was a carpenter in Matthew 13. Um, so most of us know that. And I think that when we think of Jesus as a carpenter, I think we, un, we tend to understand that word through kind of the modern cultural lens of woodworker or home builder. Sure. Right? Um, so so I, I want to have a little brief discussion about what, what kind of carpenter was Jesus really. Well, the word that is translated as carpenter in, in most modern English Bibles is the Greek word tekton. And it is a word that... Um, hmm. um, it carries a little more nuanced meaning um, to, um, to 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 the it, it it can be accurately translated as craftsman or builder, okay. But it doesn't really have reference to the 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 material that you use to build or craft, right? You're grinning over there. Why are you grinning? I am grinning. Why are you oh, grinning? Finish your point, and okay, and I want to come in with something. Okay, so. Um, at face value, without taking the Jewish cultural background into consideration, our modern idea of carpenter could certainly fit that description. But if we dive a little deeper into the cultural landscape, well, the culture and landscape of northern Israel at the time of Jesus, we discover that the job of a tecton was probably more more involved than that. There's more more going on than just that. So for one thing, uh, trees which is where you get your wood, usually, right? Right. <laughs> usually. Uh, yes, yeah. Normally. <laughs> Normally, tree wood comes from trees. Mm-hmm. Um, but trees were and still are relatively scarce in that region. Not absent. There are some trees. But people, the, I guess the point is, people were not building houses made out of wood back right. then. There just was not enough trees to justify that. There wasn't like a, a burgeoning lumber industry. Yeah. Now, when you get up into into Lebanon, there's big forests, or there there were then, because we we hear them talked about in the Bible. Yeah. Um, Solomon will have um, crews of guys go up there and bring down, you know, cut down trees and bring logs all the way down from Lebanon, Lebanon, to build in part to build the temple. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. So. Um, People weren't building houses out of wood. Most of the houses, most of the buildings were built from stone. Okay. Um, the other thing to note is that Nazareth was only three miles from the ancient town of Sepphoris. And during the first century, Sepphoris was a big deal. Um, Sepphoris was, a, was, a, was developing rapidly. Uh, it would eventually be called the jewel of all Galilee by the Jewish historian Josephus. Hmm. So Herod... Um, King Herod um, engaged in a in a big, huge um, building project in Sepphoris. It was a something of a beautification project, and he was building big buildings and everything. And and the 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 the, the amount of work that would have been done would have just about called for the help of every available and skilled tecton in the region. Probably, according to some estimates, even. Like it's some some historians have speculated that it would have been very unlikely that Jesus' father Joseph was not in was not called to go to Sepphoris and work in some of this stuff. Mm. Okay. Um, also, halfway between Nazareth and Sepphoris was a huge rock quarry where most of the 
most of the stuff, most of the stones were, were cut that they used in Sepphoris. Okay, so there's a lot of stone work being done. So it's, it's likely that a tecton was probably skilled in stone work and woodwork. There, there was wood. There was some wood. wood they, they did some things with wood. But, but probably a tecton was the kind of person you called um, when just about anything needed to be built mm-hmm. or fixed. Um, some, something like what we might think of as a modern-day handyman. You know, except without the plumbing and electrical stuff sure. yeah, yeah. built in, right? Um, I would also say that one of the things that I think about a lot that I think a lot of people don't notice, you know, in, in our modern society, we value specialization. Sure. You know, yeah. We have our, our doctors are all specialized. Our like everybody is a everybody is a specialist in something. That's really kind of a modern phenomenon. In most of the ancient world, and I'd say in most of the world um, prior to the Industrial Revolution, what, what, what people valued, what communities valued, what economies valued were generalists, mm-hmm. people that, that had um, skill in a variety of areas, okay? Um, so certainly people in Jesus' day, the craftsmen, they would have, they would have not been well, I'm a, you know, I just work in marble and, and, uh, you know, that's my mm-hmm. thing. Yep. You know, if you want somebody to work in granite, you may, you must find someone else. Mm-hmm. No way. No way. These are people that could get a lot done with, with hand tools and work with various kinds of stone and wood and anything else that they might come across. They were, they were probably pretty skilled generalists. Right. So, so I think, I think it's probably pretty accurate when in this in this episode in episode three later on, one of the children will ask Jesus, "Are you a carpenter?" And Jesus says, and I, and I think this fits really well. Jesus' answer to that question, "Are you a carpenter?" He says, "Sometimes." He says, "I'm a craftsman. I build all kinds of things." So she goes on to say, she goes on to ask, and I'm jumping the, the gun a bit. She says, "How do you make money?" Which is a kind of a a personal question to ask somebody. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't have any problem with that at all. And Jesus says he builds things and trades them um, for his food and clothing. He says, one of the things, he, little comments he makes, he says, wealthy people love decorations and toys for their children. So he's making some things that kind of fit into that. Uh, we see him in this episode building a, a wooden lock and key, which is kind of fascinating. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, I am I am trying to figure out how one would make something like that because I want to build one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm really intrigued by how that works. And I, you know, so that's one of the things I'm poking around on. Um another thing um, um that he does that's kind of cool when he finishes that lock and key later, um, he's sitting around the campfire at night by himself and he finishes carving it and putting it together and he finds out that it works and he says, it is good. Yeah. Which sounds just like what God said uh-huh. in creation after he after he built what he built, right? Mm-hmm. Um, later, Jesus builds a little, what I call a nativity set. That's probably not... Yeah. I uh, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. Like it's a little manger kind of thing and there's some, there's some little carved donkeys and a... And a little and a little manger with a little crib in there, and he gives that as a gift to Abigail right in the last scene. So he has he has clearly made wooden spoons. There's some of those laying around that mm-hmm. that we see. Um, the kids the kids uh, help him work one day, and you see one of the kids winding some twine. So I don't know what's going on there, but c- clearly Jesus is adept at a number of different kinds of things. And sure, it shows yeah. that. And I think that fits. I think that fits what we know about um, life in northern Israel in um, in the first century. So hang on, I'm going to uh, shut my phone off because I forgot to do that. Well, here, while, while you do that, yes, let me, jump let me, in. Let me go ahead and jump in here. So uh, the word, the specific word that you just used to describe this craftsman is a Greek word, right? Tecton, yes. Tecton. Yes. It's... It's really interesting uh, to me because something I teach in class all the time is that our our modern conception of the word art is is very 
different from how it was perceived back then as well, back in the ancient Greek time and leading up to what would have been Jesus's time. Uh, the the word that is most often translated into art, uh, the Roman word, is ars, A-R-S, which means technique, uh, skill, craft, not necessarily referring to any of the tools, but to the person uh, implementing those tools and knowing how to implement those tools. The Greek word is techni, huh. which uh, T-E-C-H-N-E, and that second E with that uh, with an accent mark over it. Tech- the tilde. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, well, it's not a tilde, but it's a, it's another kind of accent mark. Yeah, okay. Um, the t- the tilde is the squiggly line, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it's not the squiggly line. Okay. But it's a different it's a different uh, dash or accent mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but it refers to the the skill or the uh, the way that the artist or the creator or the craftsman knows how to use the tools given to them hmm. or available to them. Neat. So so with you saying making that connection to Jesus, it makes me think he's more not just a craftsman but a practical artist. Interesting. Someone who someone who creates things that people need. Interesting. Which which uh, that is a that's a really cool take on it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It is. That, that's why I was beaming from ear to ear over here. Ah, uh, gotcha. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so I I like all this, and I think I think the way they handle that fits well with what we know about uh, about craftsmen and and life in northern Israel in the first century. So that mm-hmm. that jives. I have not found anything yet in in so far that. That doesn't jive with with either biblical, you know, what I understand the Bible to be saying, and or the cultural stuff, which I, I so appreciate that. I so appreciate that 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 they somebody has worked very hard in the chosen to 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 put these cultural things into into place in ways that fit nicely, mm-hmm. very nicely done. Mm-hmm. So, so let's talk about the kids. Because this whole this whole episode it really revolves around these these children. So, um, uh, other than one little bitty scene, I think um, the whole episode takes place in or or near Jesus Camp uh, mm-hmm. out there in the in the in the woods. I'm going to say in the woods. It's not really woods like I understand woods, but right, <laughs> right. Um, and there's there's six kids, I think, um, and. And by the way, there's a couple of neat videos on the the Chosen's YouTube channel about this episode that we will put links to in the sh- in the show notes. Um, so there's two there's two of these six kids that are the most talkative. They are Abigail, this little girl who was the first one to stumble upon Jesus camp, and then her friend Joshua, who yep. Jesus will call Joshua the Brave. Joshua the Brave. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so so the title of this episode is called Jesus Loves the Little Children, and that's that. You know, that's that song we all learned as kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly in the Gospels, Jesus had a soft spot for children. Uh, he says, you know, Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 3, he says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So there's something about kids that we should mimic as adults, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit better. So, Brendan... Set the scene for us here when when Jesus first meets the kids. Oh man, it's hilarious! It's a, it is a an, another high point for this show is that the uh, the humanity of the characters actually comes through in humor as well. Yeah, especially with Jesus. Yes, the uh, the two kids, Abby and Josh. They they sneak up on Jesus. He's uh, I think at this particular moment he's praying over food. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. It looks, yeah, because because like he because he lifts up the bread and right, yeah, yeah. So, right. so he's so he's praying and it's a serious prayer, but then he you know he he opens his eye a little bit and he can see Abby and Josh watching him from behind the rocks, and then he includes them, so to say, in his prayer. He's like, "And Lord, I pray that if there are ever two children who are watching me, you know, yeah. he's, he's like he's laying it on thick, and, yeah. the, and the kids love it." And they, they can hear they, it. Yeah, they they hear it. They love yeah, it. They start and, laughing. And, and by the way, let me let me let me throw something in here that just before that. So his Jesus blessing that he that he prays over his food. Yes, is like we've heard this blessing before, and we're going to hear it again and again. Mm-hmm. It's um, 
we, we actually see it. There's a little brief scene the night before he meets the kids where he's getting ready for bed and he says, blessed are you, blessed are you O Lord, our God, King of the universe, um, who gives forth bread from the earth. The night before he says, blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes. Yeah. So this, this little kind of, we, we saw this an episode or two ago. This, it's this same kind of prayer mm-hmm. that we keep seeing cycling around. It's sort of like a basic prayer, it seems to be. But yeah, he so he finishes that, and then he and then he says, <laughs> "He says, Lord, if there are ever if there are ever," and he's kind of leaning in like toward their direction as he says it too. If there are ever two children who are listening to me and hiding behind the rocks, or you know something like that, yeah. I pray that they have the courage to not hide anymore. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I pray that they have the the courage to say shalom. Yeah, shalom. Oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and then he, so that they know that they don't have to remain in hiding. That's it. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he concludes the prayer, and then he starts acting like a goofball. Yeah. Just starts making these silly noises, blowing raspberries, and you know, and the kids start giggling and laughing. Yeah. And he's and he pretend he well he doesn't pretend, but he he plays with them pretty much. He says, "Oh, I hear a noise. It doesn't sound like sheep. That yeah. doesn't sound like sheep." Yeah. And then eventually, you know, Abby stands up, and then Joshua stands up, and then they they finally meet. Yeah, and he says, "Greetings, children." Yeah, but he's he's playing with them. Yes, like he's he's playful and he's sweet and fun and funny and it's it's a picture of jesus that you don't always get when you you know Mm -hmm. in some of these movies where jesus is always somber and you know kind of aloof um well he's he's the suffering servant he's the suffering servant usually yeah and here Mm he's 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 he's, a playful artist he's jesus the playful artist Yeah, yeah yeah and he's and he's having fun jesus is concerned about their safety he says, you know, you've come out here, kind of out here away from town all by yourself. And he commends Joshua for his bravery in coming out here with his friend Abigail, right? And um, the, the, another neat little thing. Uh, so Abigail had made a visit to his camp earlier, mm-hmm. the day before. And she poked around with his tools and stuff. And then when she heard Jesus come and she hid, and then she eventually left. And she, in her mind, Jesus never knew she was there, right? Yeah. And one little thing, when she was there the day before, she almost, Jesus had some food sitting out. She she grabbed a little piece of it, like a fig or a date, or I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. And she almost ate it. And then you can see her thinking, no, this isn't right. And she puts it back. So the next day when she and Joshua show up, and once they introduce each other and they, they get together, Jesus says, um, thank you for not taking any food yesterday. Mm-hmm. So he knows like he knew, he knew what was going on. He knows everything. And and what's so sweet here is that Jesus is, I, I think we see this all the way through. Like this is something I want us to just say about Jesus. Some people have this idea that God is just so hard to please. And you, you get the impression here, Jesus is, is so easy to please. Mm-hmm. He's so eager to, to just, let you come into his presence and and be who you are and ask stupid questions and be kind of a goofball and have fun with and like this is not a guy who's a harsh judge yeah just not yeah so the so the kids uh, being kids they they start peppering him with questions they ask him a ton of questions Uh, are you a carpenter how do you make money? And this is where Jesus talks about the wealthy people loving decorations and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And Abigail says, after that little bit, she stops and she's thinking a little bit and she says, well, my family isn't wealthy. And Jesus says, many times that's better, which is an interesting thing. So without going way off in the weeds, is poverty better than riches? Are you asking I am asking. Uh, I don't. He think... says he says many times that's better. Many times, you know, it's better to not be wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my take on it is, it's not that having money or not having money or having wealth or not having wealth. That's not. That's not what the issue is. But the issue is how that affects the human heart. And how that affects how you relate to God, how you relate to yourself, 
how you relate to others around you, friends, yeah. family. And, uh, and unfortunately it most often is the case that with, at least in my experience, uh, I'll put it to you like this on payday. I'm really proud <laughs> on, on payday. I'm really proud and yeah. I feel very self-sufficient Yeah, and I don't need any help. Yeah. But at the end of the month before payday, yeah. Oh man. That's when you're talking to God. Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's so that's my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I and I think I I agree totally. I think you know, there's a difference between having money and money having you. Mm. Right? That's and, a that's a turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um and I and I think I think the 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 great temptation um when you when you are well off is that the is that your reliance on that money can can be said become such a strong force in your life that you it's harder to rely on God. Yeah. You know, yeah, you want to you want to see people that have learned to re- really rely on God find you some poor people. Yeah. You know, for whom God is all they have. And and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So so I think that's what's what's going on there. I think I think money is a is a is a snare wire, <laughs> yeah, for us. You know, and, and it's interesting that Jesus, at least in this depiction, doesn't use money. He builds things and then trades. He doesn't use money, but he builds things and he trades for the goods that he needs. The the barter economy, if you look at you know most civilizations, you know pre industrial revolution or pre mm-hmm. pre history, mm-hmm. they were all barter economies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even today in a lot of places, I would say there's a bunch of that going on even in the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, people are still bartering. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So um, so the next day, we're, we're in day three now, and the, the I don't know how many days these kids keep coming back. It's, it's, it gets sort of really blurry. You know, they may have come back every day for a week. You know, or several weeks. We, we we don't know exactly, but but the next day, um, uh, the kids come back and they and they walk up to Jesus when he's sleeping. And now there's six kids. You know, the 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 first day it was just Abigail and Jesus didn't. You know, she stayed covert behind the rock. Then she brought her friend Joshua the second day. The third day she shows up and she's got six six of them. Now mm-hmm. there's six kids. And Abigail and Jesus is sleeping like he's out like a light, and yeah. they they walk up and kind of they're all hovering over him mm-hmm. while he's sleeping, and he cracks a cracks an eye, you know, just as he wakes up, and I think he even says something like, "Couldn't you have come back when it was a little lighter?" Yeah, you know, like that. You know? yeah. Um, and Abigail just pipes her up and says, "These are my friends," and Joshua again. <laughs> yeah, and Joshua again, <laughs> and Joshua again, and Jesus says, "Shalom, Abigail's friends," and Joshua again. Yeah. <laughs> A little, a little comedic so just, stick there. Just, yeah, so some funny stuff. And they ask him if they can hang around uh, today. And he says, well, I suppose, but I've got some work to do and you might have to help. Um, and they love it. Like mm-hmm. They love kids. Kids like, in my experience, being invited into an adult world and getting to do adult things. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I remember when my dad, when I was a kid, my dad was a, he was kind of a carpenter. Um, he, that wasn't his trade. He was a banker, but he loved to do woodworking. And he, so he was on the weekends, he was always out building stuff and he would let me take his big saw, which I still have, um, his saw, hmm. his hand saw, and he would let me cut off, cut on some scrap wood. And I felt, man, I felt like I was, I felt like I was my dad, you know, oh, wow. I, I, my, my cuts were all not straight and everything, but, but I was doing what my dad was doing and I loved it. I can remember feeling like a big man. Yeah. Getting to do that stuff. Kids like that kind of stuff. So they're, you know, they're, they're all in, the kids are all in for this, you know, I'll, yeah, we'll help. We'll help you do your work. Yeah. And they start peppering him with a bunch more questions. How long are you going to be here? He says, until I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. I've got some work to do here and some people to meet and then I'll know, I'll know the right time to leave. Are you dangerous? They ask him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he said, and I love his answers to these because if you, like if you know the gospel story, like these are these, 
you can you can hear the answer that he's given to the kids, but you know there's deeper meaning in all these things. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing, yeah. yeah. So they say, are you dangerous? And he says, maybe to some, mm-hmm. but no, not to you. Mm-hmm. And I won't harm anyone. Uh, do you have friends, they ask him. And he says, I've, yeah, I've got, I've got you, and I've got more to come. Um, uh, Joshua, I think it's Joshua says, um, Abby, and he, he this is where he kind of slangs her Abigail's name to Abby. He says, Abby says, you travel a lot. Do you have a house? Jesus says, my father provides everything I need. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them asks, is, is your father rich? <laughs> Jesus chuckles at that. He says, ah. and, he's, and, he, and then he punts on that question. Yeah. Right? He, he yeah. says, he says, did Abigail tell you to ask me yeah. that? Because <laughs> she's the one asking about money. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, that's a question for another time. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Yeah. Good deflection there. Good deflection. <laughs> um, so uh, they ask him, what's your favorite kind of food? Uh, Joshua asks that. And Jesus says, oh, Joshua the brave speaks. And he says, I like so many different kinds of food, but I especially love bread for many reasons. Well, yeah, bread. Right. Oh, of course. There's yeah. theology in, in bread. So then... And this is one of the sweetest scenes in the whole episode, I think. Jesus asks them a question. He, so if he turns the table now, he's asking a question. Mm-hmm. He says, do you all know how to pray the Shema? Mm-hmm. I would love to hear it. And they all start reciting it in unison. Now, if you don't know, in Judaism, the Shema is one of only two prayers that are specifically commanded uh, in the Torah. Um, it is the oldest fixed daily prayer in Judaism uh, recited morning and evening since ancient times. Now the word, the word Shema is the Hebrew word for hear or listen, and it is the first word in the the passage that is the Shema is Deuteron- Deuteronomy six, or the passage that makes up the bulk of the Shema is hmm. Deuteronomy six four through nine, which says, "Hear, Shema, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one." Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strengths. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. <clears throat> Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Okay, so that is that is the, the bulk of, the, of, of what the Jews knew and recited as, as the Shema. So the kids... Jesus asked them to recite it, and they do, and they and they all recite it in unison. And and Jesus is deeply, deeply moved mm-hmm. by this, almost to the point of tears. And you can just see his face as they do it, and he's just getting choked up, you know, because it's so beautiful that these kids are reciting such important things about God. And when he gets done, he says, just almost choked up, he says, beautiful, very good. Mm-hmm. Right, he just gets such joy, such tender joy out of watching these kids do that, which is just way cool. So they they start asking him more more questions, right? Because they're they're kids. There's a stranger they don't know, and they just pepper, 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 pepper with questions. Why don't you have a home? Yeah. And he says, "My home is many places." Uh, I have more to do than just being a craftsman and teacher. And then he gets into this neat little discussion. The 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 kids say, "Well, you're wait, you're a teacher too. Mm-hmm. What's your other job?" And and Jesus says this. This is this is so good. He says, "Everyone has a much larger job than just their trade. And you are you are more than just students." He says to these kids, "You are at school to show love for one another and to take God's word and to share it." And at home, to honor your father and mother. And most important, from the law of Moses, he says, you love who? And Joshua speaks up and he says, the Lord our God. Jesus is very good, Joshua the brave. Yeah. And, and he says, so I will be doing my work in many places. So, he, so he's introduced this idea to them that your work in this world is not just bound up in what you do for a living. Right? So... So let's talk about this idea of vocation. What the, what the, uh, what Christians have often called vocation, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just mean, um, you know, cont- in contemplative spirituality, which you, 
you are a, a, a fan of or a part of, as am I, vocation means something more than just how you earn your bread, right? Yeah. Um, our main vocation, our job as Christians is to be agents of holy blessing in this world, right? That's a kingdom. That's a kingdom thing. That was what God intended Israel to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and I did a, I did an episode where we talked about vocation. Um, and I'll make sure I put a link to that. If you, if you haven't listened to that, you should go listen to that, but it's a kingdom thing, right? It's, it's, um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about all this? What do you well, well, I was, was going to say, what, what point are you getting at right now? So the, the, just, just kind of drawn a line under the, the idea that, our, our life should, as Christians should not just consist in getting up and going to work and coming home. And like we have a, we have a bigger picture role to play in our world and in our lives and in our relationships than sometimes I think we, we realize. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's easy to do. It's easy to glaze over that, uh, when, not to not to be incendiary or anything but it's easy to do that when america says uh you all you really need to do is get up go to work pay the bills come home feed the fam that that's family by the way yeah <laughs> uh, f- feed the family and then uh try to get 8 hours of sleep before you got to get up and do it all over, do it all over again. again it's right. it's hard to glaze over this idea of of vogue, of spiritual vocation or Christian vocation, it's, it's really easy to glaze over that. And when we live in a world that is, uh, dare I say, so pragmatic, yeah, so, uh, so, so practical, so, so hands-on. And if you, if you can't really see it or touch it, then it doesn't really have that much impact on your life. Right. Uh, like, like you can hold a dollar bill in your pocket. You can't hold God in your pocket. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's my hot take is that uh, I I I agree that it is it's very easy to glaze over, uh, but I also agree that that's no excuse. <laughs> you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, we all have to work, right? We have to we have to earn, we have to earn a living. We have to we have to take care of our families. We have to do that kind of stuff. Sure. But you know, for some people, that's their identity. Mm-hmm. That's the, the, the that's the only thing they care about in the world, and 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 I just want to say, if you're a Christian, that is the things you do. Your career, right, is probably the least least significant thing that you will do in this on this earth as as a Christian. Your your relationships, the way you find, um, the, the way you use your resources, whether whether it's money or whether it's your your time and your talent and your and your heart, the way you use what God has given you to bless other people and to invite them into God's blessing, like boy, those are the things. Like that's your job, that's your vocation, that and, kind of stuff. And to clarify, and you do all that while you earn a living. Right, right. And and to clarify, I mean, yes, you can honor God with your job, with your with your nine to five job or your your money making job. You can honor God that. In fact, we're we're even you know, in a sense, called to do that. But I think what we're getting at is if that's the only way, if we think that's the only way to do that, to honor God, then we're shortchanging it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, totally. And you can you can link this what to Paul says or, or link this back to what Paul says. Uh, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Yeah. And I think, I know in, in my experience, I've always linked that verse to whether it's whether it's me working at a restaurant, whether it's me working at an elementary school as a teacher's aide, or whether it's me now working as a as an instructor at Motlow. That's Motlow State Community College <laughs> for those who aren't around here. Uh, I've always linked that verse, uh, whether through my own connection or because I was told to connect it to the daily job. But I've always linked that verse to the daily job. And of course you can use... You can use whatever you do to make money for the glory of God, or you can do whatever you do to make money for the glory of God. But when you limit that to the only thing that you do for the glory of God, then you shortchange yourself. 
Yes, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, your 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 Christian duty or service or 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 like it's not just to earn money so you can put it in the collection plate so other people can do the work of the kingdom, do, do the dirty work. Do right? the, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, have to go visit the poor. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah. So. So yeah. So. Um, so the kids leave after this. They're going to head back home. They decide. They're talking about. Well, what? What? Who is this guy? What? You know. They're still trying to figure it out. But they decide collectively not to tell anyone about him. And then there's there's kind of this little musical montage of scenes. Mm-hmm. There's no real dialogue. You just see little scene after scene with some music playing, of the kids doing stuff with Jesus. They're walking along a river. Uh, one of the kids looks like like he has a fishing pole, which mm-hmm. is you know yay that. Um, <laughs> Jesus packs up a load of stuff on a little cart so he can bring back to camp. Um, he teaches the kids to pray the Lord's Prayer around around a fire. Um, and then in the evening, we see Jesus by the fire all by himself, and he's he's cut himself mm-hmm. doing his work somehow, and he's putting a little salve on it and binding it up. You know, again, Jesus is human. He sweated. He got cuts. He got bruises. He You know, like everything that we experienced, he did too. Um, we, we kind of see Jesus talking with the kids around a fire and you get the, you get the very distinct impression that he's telling camp, scary campfire stories to yeah. him, right? Yeah. He's, he's telling the story of the two she bears. That's what I that, thought too. Yeah, that, uh, uh, yeah, that was it Elisha. Yeah. I think yeah, so. Elisha yeah. was walking down the road and, you know, some kids started making fun of him cause yeah. he was bald. And then, you know, Elisha prays to God and God sends out two she-bears and yeah. mauls the kids to pieces. Right, right. <laughs> what, right. what a wholesome family story. Right. It's a scary campfire story. <laughs> exactly. A la Jesus. And he, and he plays into it, too. Like, he actually gets up and roars like a bear. Yeah. And he, he tries yeah. to have fun with the kids. Yeah, yeah, he is. So, um, Jesus teaches them a song at one point, which is yeah. kind of cool, uh, from Psalm 133. Um, is where the song came from, and you can watch that. On another day, and there, Jesus is talking with the kids again back at his camp, and I feel I feel like every everything in the whole episode up to this point has kind of been building toward this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is significant. One of the boys is is talking about a conflict he had at school with another kid, and apparently some there was another kid that was kind of tormenting him, and he pushed him. And uh, he says, I tried to walk away, but he wouldn't, wouldn't, he wouldn't stop pushing me. So I pushed him so hard he fell down. And Jesus says, and that's why you were punished. Did you expect something different? Right. <laughs> so yeah. Jesus gets consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the boy says, but even Torah says an eye for an eye. Why, sh- why should I be punished too? You know, in other words, he, he started it, right? That's what we'd say mm-hmm. today. And Jesus says... Yes, but that is for a judge. In other words, the 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 eye for an eye thing that that passage is given to, like for a to govern a, a judge, mm-hmm. right? How a judge is going to judge cases in Israel. And he says, "You were hardly in court, in a court of law, um, and you all of you are to be special. You're to act. You're to you are to act differently than others." Mm-hmm. So Jesus is cutting to the chase here. If you're going to be Followers of me, you're going to act different. And Joshua pipes up and says, well, you tell us to be gentle, but Rabbi Josiah says the Messiah is going to come and lead us in war against the Romans. Uh, he'll be a great military leader. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, you know, so so what do you do when a kid starts quoting another religious leader to you? Or when you're having a conversation with somebody and they say, oh, well, Francis Chan says this, or oh, where, um, you know, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Ravi Zacharias says, right? Jesus says, it is important to respect your teachers and honor your parents. Rabbi Josiah is a smart man, but many times smart men lack wisdom. Is there anything in scripture that says Messiah will be a great military leader? So he's drawn back to scripture. Well, what what does scripture say about this? And he says, there are many things about Scripture that you cannot understand yet. And that is okay. That is fine. You have many years ahead of you, and God does not real, reveal all things at once. But children, what, like this is, the, this is the mic drop question. 
What if many of the things that our people think about how we are to behave and how we are to treat one another are wrong? Mm-hmm. He's inciting them to rebel. How dare he? <laughs> Someone's got to put a stop to this. Yeah, and see, I read that and I think, I think that that is, that is a very good question even for today. Right? What if... What if a lot of the stuff we've always been told about Christianity is wrong? Mm. It, and it kind of goes, kind of goes back to Nicodemus' question, right? Remember from from last episode where he said something like, "I'm not going to quote it." He said, "What if, what if the picture we see in in Torah is just a, just not a, not complete or something like that?" Yeah. Like what if? Yes. Yeah. You know, what if what if what we see of God in the Old Testament doesn't tell us everything that we need to know about God? What if there's something deeper and richer and more wonderful, right, than mm-hmm. what most of us think? Mm-hmm. I am of the I am of the absolute conviction that for an awful lot of people in I'll just say in America, the version of Christianity that we have been raised with is a mere shadow of what it really is. It has it has been about doing your duty and going to church and putting money in the plate and being a good person. Checking the list. Checking the list. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, there is so much more about Christianity. That's a lot of this podcast has been about those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And Jesus says that, you know, what if, and he just raises it a question, which something Jesus does really, really well. Some of his most profound insights come in the form of questions always. Mm -hmm. Right. What if many of the things that our people think about how we're to behave and how we're to treat one another are wrong? Yeah. 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 Great question. Great question. Um, so he says, he, he gets back to Joshua or the, or the other kid. He says, you want things to be fair. When, th- when someone wrongs you, you want to right it. Well, yeah, we, we all do, right? Like we want to take things in our own hand, and then he says, "But you know who else loves justice?" And he and he points upward, and he says, "What does the law, the Lord say in the law of Moses about justice and vengeance?" And Abigail pipes up and says, "Justice is mine, mm-hmm. right?" So we know that. And he says, "Yes, very good. Boys, pay attention. She doesn't even go to Torah class, <laughs> and she yeah. knows. She knows." And then he says, he says this, he says, the Lord loves justice, but maybe it is not ours to handle. Boy, is that a good statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and he uses David as an example, right? David had the chance to kill Saul, King Saul, who was, King Saul was trying to do evil to David. And David had, the, like he had Saul dead to rights. He could have killed him, but he didn't. And his reason is, this is, this is for God. To, to, to handle, you know. Um, you know, we ask this question all the time, right? What, um, one of our big problems in this world is the, the, the human suffering problem. Why are, why are bad things allowed to continue? And, and, you know, where's God in all that? Doesn't he care? Like, that's one of our, our big things, you know. And so... Mm-hmm. The, 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 there's a couple of ways that we go off the rails with that. One is we decide, yeah, God, God doesn't exist, or he either he doesn't either he doesn't exist, or he's not powerful, or he's not loving. Right? Those are the those are the only three options we got to explain why God doesn't always jump right in and fix every problem we have. Mm-hmm. The other the other way we can go with that <clears throat> is we can decide, well, justice is up to me. Right, like it's my it's my job to to fight injustice and to meet meet out injustice. And there's a there's an element of that in scripture, right? Um, we, we're we we're all to be agents of justice in this world. The the injustice being the right thing. Yeah, like we're all responsible for making sure that people are treated well and right. But at some point, it's God's job to do all that. Um, yeah. So, and, oh, so yeah, go ahead. Just to just to clarify, um, I think what we're not saying is 
that yes, it is God's job. Therefore, I have no responsibility. Because that's because a lot of people, I, even I've used that in in my in my own personal history. Sure. Of you know, if if we're talking about uh, anything that that a social justice warrior might might want to address, uh, whether it be racism, whether it be uh, someone mistreating someone else on a small scale, on a uh, on a large scale, however you want to put it. I know, I know. For me, I have used the, I have used the mindset of, well, God's going to take care of it. Therefore, I don't have to do anything, and I don't, and I'm not called to do anything. So I can neglect it and leave it be. And I, and I don't think that's necessarily right either. Yeah, yeah. We all have a, we all have a, a role to play in that. So this is this gets back into my. One of the huge problems about all this is that justice in America has some become so political, and I yeah yes yeah. I don't trust the political system to ever get justice right, you know. Um, Show me someone who does. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I get I get a little uh, itchy when people start talking about justice, and their and their mm-hmm. answer to it is politics, because I'm I'm just never quite convinced that that always gets the job done well yeah. and and doesn't end up doing injustice to somebody else in the process yeah you know yeah so there's um, always the fallout yeah 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 so they have this great <clears throat> conversation uh, i think around the around the the campfire here um jesus says maybe we let god provide the justice maybe we handle these things in a different way not trying to be the strongest all the time mm-hmm. right and one of the girls asks, well, even Messiah? And Jesus says, well, we'll have to see. But don't expect Messiah to arrive in Jerusalem on a tall horse carrying weapons. Mm-mm. And he will be most pleased with those of you who are peacemakers. He going to come in on a donkey? Yeah. Tr- trotting in on some palm leaves. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. You bet. You bet. This whole episode is just foreshadowing out the wazoo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a technical term. Yeah, out the out the wazoo. Out the wazoo. Yeah, they teach you that in drama school. That's they? right. Yeah. That's right. They did. <laughs> yeah. So they 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 keep asking questions of him, and they say, "Well, I, you know, I don't don't I don't get what you're doing here. What's your reason for being here?" And Jesus says, "I'm telling you this because even though your children and the elders in your life have lived longer, many times adults need the faith of children." Mm-hmm. And if you hold on to this faith really tightly, someday soon you'll understand everything that I'm saying to you. But you ask an important question. What is my reason for being here? And then, um, and, and, and he says, the answer's for all of you. And he quotes, <clears throat> he quotes a passage from Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. And as, as he did, this is, this is kind of like, if you remember Luke chapter 4, when he goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, it, this is the first. It, it, it's right after he came um, out of the wilderness. This is his first, the first recorded sort of public speech. And he goes into this, the the synagogue. He goes up front. They give him this scroll of Isaiah, and he reads this. and And he quotes it to the kids here. He says, "It's uh, Isaiah sixty one one and two. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor." He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now in Luke 4, he'll say, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Joshua, in this, in, in this around the campfire, Joshua pipes up and says, Isaiah. So he knows where that mm-hmm. comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says, I've loved spending this time with you. You're also very special. And I hope that my next student's ask the same questions you do and that they listen to my answers. But I suspect they will not have the understanding you do. And I hope that when the time comes, they will tell others about me like you have. And that neat. So the kids leave and go home and we see Jesus that night at the fire making a sign, carving some letters into a sign Mm -hmm. on a piece of wood. And the next day, Abigail comes back alone and she finds the sign and there's a there's a little manger scene set up that he leaves for her, and the sign says this. 
Abigail, I know you can read. You're very special. This is for you. I did not come only for the wealthy. So he's, so he's letting her know, I'm here for you. And then the last thing we see in, see in the episode is Abigail playing with this little nativity set. Mm-hmm. So, so why does Jesus so love children? What do you what do you think, and what, what do you think, what do you think Jesus means when he says, "Unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven." We got two things for you. Yes. One, first point, uh, and we and we see this with we see this most prominently with Abby in this episode because we just see her go to Jesus's camp more because she went by herself the first time and then she went with Joshua. And then she brought the the little munchkin army with her and, you know, whatever. But there's this element of curiosity and wonder that she brings with her. And she she lets her curiosity be her guide, essentially. Like as she even as she's exploring the camp by herself, yeah. she's picking up the tools, she's she looks at the bowl of figs or or dates or whatever it is. She she plays with her her dolly, her uh, Sarah. Yeah, uh, her doll, right? Yeah. Uh, she, you know, and she, she basically just enjoys herself in the camp, right? Yeah. And it's so. So when Jesus says, "Unless you become like a little, like a little kid," uh, or how, however he says it, yeah. you know, like uh, a munchkin, exactly. That's, yeah, that's the way it's really translated that, from the Greek. That, that, yes, yes, from from the Septuagint. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so there is that element of, of wonder and curiosity, but underlying that, and this is the sec- this is my second thing, she only feels comfortable asking these questions, and and which she knows she knows that these are deeply personal questions. You know, how much money do you make? Where's your house? Or, you know, why don't you have a why don't you have a, a single a, a singular house that you live in or things like that? But she knows that she can ask those questions because she can trust Jesus and she knows that he is a safe person. Yeah. So there's that guarantee of security that, uh, that underlies that or underscores that relationship. Yeah. Whereas we adults, we've got that little inner skeptic within us that isn't always so, um, isn't always so carefree, not carefree, but so, um, What's the right word? So, uh, uh, so uh, exploratory because we're yeah because maybe or ac- accommodating or, or accommodating yes yeah. uh, because we've we've been hurt before mm-hmm. and we know we know what hurt feels like yeah so we are we are uh, wary of being hurt again yeah so yeah and and uh, kids kids too I think kids are so eager to trust if somebody is trustworthy. Like they're, they're willing to follow. They're willing to, you know, they're willing to be, they're willing to be led. They're willing to ask the questions and, 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 and listen, you know, he, he commended the kids for, you know, I hope everybody will listen to my answers the way you have, you know, they're, they're engaged. They're like, they're, they've got their eyes on Jesus. They're willing to, follow him to the extent that that you know a, a young child can can follow yeah right but i think kids are just kids are more open they're they're not so guarded and so cautious and so um um what would you say your inner skeptic mm-hmm. or, or inner critic inner skeptic inner critic yeah. yeah yeah um that that is often formed from uh from trying to survive a bad experience right it's, it's a coping it's, mechanism it, exactly it's yeah. it's there to to help make you aware and make you alert of a potential danger yeah. but when you start applying that to things that aren't necessarily dangerous or that really have no uh have no appearance or image of danger then then you start getting bogged down in negativity so, yeah yeah oh and and we all end up reaching adulthood just a little bit jaded or, sure. or maybe yeah. a, maybe a lot jaded, mm-hmm. right? And I think the challenge is to 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 move past that and to and to engage with Jesus open handedly and op- with an open heart 
and and try to try to take him as he is because mm-hmm. he's a he is a he is a gentle kind like he is he is with these kids the same way he is with us yeah yeah but we we've and this is a this is a place where i think christianity has often let us down with in in terms of how how life with god is portrayed and what it what it is um i think it's you know how many of us have had this this view of god as this stern-faced old man sitting up in the sky with a notebook taking notes on everything we do mm-hmm. right how many of us have have had that image at one point or another and have struggled mightily to overcome that mm-hmm. and still still do right and uh, I, I, there's just something there's something neat about innocent children that haven't been jaded and are so so open yeah and so willing to be led by somebody that loves them yeah yeah and I, I, I think something in the in the specific phrase that you just said as well open-handed uh, that that has with it the the image of the the inner palm of our like of our physical hands that I that I just clapped into the microphone. Uh, that's what that sound was uh, <laughs> for our listeners, yes. so that they know. Yeah. Uh, but the the inner part of our hand is the most vulnerable part of the hand. Yeah, because it's because we walk even when we're just walking normally, our inner hands are toward us. So they're not ex- they're not necessarily exposed to the elements like the backs of our hand, but the inner part that's the vulnerable part. Same thing with uh, with the phrase an open heart. It 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 conjures up the imagery of vulnerability yeah. and and willingness and eagerness to connect to other things. Yeah, and specifically yeah. in this case for the kids to, to connect to Jesus. Yeah. And there is no one on this earth who is more eager to connect with your heart than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's an invitation right there. That's an invitation. Oh, y'all, man. Y'all come forward. Oh, that, that'll <laughs> preach. That'll preach right there, bro. That's right. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll uh, join us again next week. We will be talking about episode four next week of The Chosen. Uh, as always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. If you enjoy the, ch- the show, please uh, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, now on Apple Music as well, or not not Apple Music, Amazon Music. Gotta, gotta quit saying that. Um, please visit our Facebook page uh, for the Jesus Society podcast. Um, if there's things, I've said this before, if there's, if there's anything about The Chosen that you would like us to talk about, ask post that there on the Facebook group and we'll be glad to talk about it. Also, check, about, check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening, and remember, you are greatly loved.